0: The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Welcome back to the Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa.
1: Man-mosa.
0: Man-mosa. Yes. Man Mosa. Man There's a man speaking. Yes. What is happening? over here
1: i don't know i think your guys is uh, april fool's joke it might be coming true <laughs> you just better be glad i didn't bring my roommate sean he almost came
0: so we need to make an edit already this is the mr hood of the bottomless mimosa yeah, that's good starring one. our first ever male co-host who many of you actually already know if you've Listen to several of our episodes, we have shouted and referenced him in probably every single one. Um not every single one. Over a range of different <laughs> nicknames, um, <laughs> but we formally know him as Brad.
1: I like Walter Bradley, though. Walter Bradley? <laughs> Walter Bradley suits me very well. That's what about what WB? Like. WB. That's because it's not... I remember you guys, like, at first, were, like, a little under, undercover, like, you weren't <laughs> sure if you wanted to reveal my name, so it was WB. <laughs> And then do you remember when I, I i donated to the uh the fundraiser and i used a different name yes yes <laughs> a female identity yes
0: you have quite a few identities <laughs> which is why it's really fun to talk about all of them
1: and by the way i just want to say this is like a dream come true because you guys really are one of my favorite podcasts <laughs> and i'm so excited to be here like, oh, it's, a, it's a real like.
0: well thank you for joining
1: you're um, very welcome
0: so I realized that there could potentially be a lot of new listeners, given that we're 35 episodes in and have been live on streaming platforms for over a year.
1: Wow, that's crazy to think. About
0: a year and a year and a half almost. Wow. Crazy, huh? I remember,
1: yeah, and I remember when you were talking when this was in its infancy. I know. I guess it was still in the womb, in a sense. It was
0: in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> but you hadn't
1: birthed it out, this monster.
0: <laughs> it, it's been birthed. It has been birthed. It's been resurrected. It's been a whole lot of things. It's,
1: gone, it's matured a lot in the last year. What was you say? Year into...
0: Um, well, it's been...
1: I mean, I guess a year and a half you've been working on the project, right?
0: Yeah. So it's been about almost a full two years that... It, like, it's been basically two years that we've been working on it. Wow. year and a half, it's been live.
1: Well, congratulations to you for sticking with it this long. Crazy, You really, huh? you really could have given up at many points. <laughs> I but know. You are still here. You are a survivor. <laughs>
0: We're sitting on you're, my couch.
1: You're, 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 I think your apartment's almost a perfect metaphor for the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, the last time, I, I actually hadn't... I haven't been in this apartment in a very, very long time. Probably since Dead & Co. 2018, huh? Yep. Like, And then the last time I saw it was on your Instagram feed, and there was water literally pouring out of the top of that fan there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now it's a brand new baby. It's technically my official podcasting studio. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You really could stream live. here. Like I I don't know. You guys can't see it, but there's like this this beautiful backdrop, backdrop and the colors, they're perfect. They fix, I think, isn't this the same pink you have on the logo? It looks like it, the walls.
0: Kind of. Yeah, it is kind of. But, um,
1: anyways, you're saying I didn't mean it. it, it oh,
0: no, it's fine. I was saying that I, I am realizing that we probably have had new people join in and hopefully if they picked up at the newest episodes, they're probably like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Who are these people and what the hell are they talking about? So for anybody new, um, welcome first and foremost. And, um, we're pretty much just a podcast that, drinks a variety of different alcoholic beverages while uh, telling the incredible, amazing stories of lots of very inspirational women Um, with a little touch of astrology here and there and as much ridiculous sarcasm, banter, and shenanigans stories as we can fit in about an hour episode. So
1: (laughs) when's the last time you guys stayed under an hour? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be an hour and some change. Yeah,
0: hour and some change.
1: <laughs> and I've got quite a doozy, so may I? Well, we'll see how long it goes. It, yeah, it's yeah. probably
0: gonna be a long one because yeah. guess what, guys? We've had a lot of. Kitchen. I know it's not the uh, alcohol review yet. We do that in probably a few minutes, but. Forewarning, Brad showed up with a handle of Jameson. <laughs> so uh, this is a new for the Mimosa Sisterhood.
1: I don't think you guys have ever had whiskey on we this We
0: have never had whiskey on this show. Um, but you know what? There's always room for a first. Yes. And I think this is very fitting for the Mr. Hood Mimosa.
1: Yeah, I don't know want to get this Mr. Hood of the bottomless man Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're just going to come up with all kinds of fun <laughs> oh, nicknames today. Yeah,
1: I'm sure there will be me.
0: Um, so should we tell people how we know each other?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Do you want to tell it?
1: Sure. Um, So I met you, it would have been somewhere in the middle of July 2017. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to Clancy's Bar in Long Beach because I was living in Long Beach at the time. And I can't, because it was kind of a little bit of a fuzzy night. Uh, I can't remember what happened first, but I know for sure you sang... Elton John which is, you're wearing an Elton John Yellow Big Road shirt right now. I think it was Tiny Dancer, but you had me come up there and sing with you. And then for some reason, we started dancing and like, I just remember twirling around the, the bar a lot. like <laughs> And it you laughing like a maniac the entire time. And then I don't know, we started talking about live music and uh, you were talking about some venue or so, you were talking about somewhere, somewhere. And I go, oh is that by the pch club and you go cubensis <laughs> and then and it's like are you a grateful dead fan like oh my god and we both like didn't even like answer we just screamed <laughs> and i mean if if you've ever heard i mean if you listen to this podcast you've heard a good melissa shriek <laughs> <laughs> and just then we became grateful dead show buddies after that
0: that's right i really like hearing your uh version of how we met do you have a
1: different version I, I have okay. a little bit of a different Version. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my version.
0: It was really close.
1: Was it okay? Yeah.
0: So the only the only adjustments I have to make is that I actually wasn't singing karaoke when we met somebody else was singing. yeah but you were
1: standing up there like four people right no, no? i was oh.
0: sitting at a table and i was drunk as fuck <laughs> and tiny dancer came on and i was alone at a table for who knows what reason why and i was sitting at this table doing like a complete Mozart like air piano
1: <laughs> i do kind of remember that now I did that. Like, and
0: you obviously noticed one being that you play piano, yeah. so you probably were like, "What the fuck? This chick is doing air Mozart piano to Tiny right. Dancer That's right now." Right. I do remember that. And then you came up and you started doing air piano with me, yeah. and then we ballroom danced <laughs> at Clancy's dive bar.
1: Okay, so we did dance. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a pretty good dancer, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and then then we. Yes, he was correct in the shrieking that we both like the Grateful Dead, and then uh, we've been friends ever since. Yeah. So yeah, that's the story. It's a good one.
1: And we're going to be seeing another Grateful Dead show tomorrow night, (laughs) two nights in a row. And I haven't seen you since your birthday, back whenever that was. Last month. Yeah, yeah. Which, that was a great weekend.
0: Yeah, it was a really good weekend. Um, But yeah, tomorrow we're going to this super cool... What is it called? Dead in the Dome?
1: Dead in the Dome. Yeah. And it's uh, it sounds like it's a domed theater and they're going to do projections of light shows up there. And it's going to be the members of Jerry Garcia's band playing. So this is the tip top. Like this is not just your everyday Grateful Dead tribute.
0: Yeah. So basically, to summarize it, Brad and I are deadheads. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and... Don't get stuck talking on the dead, <laughs> Uh
0: Brad is the only Deadhead that I know in Southern California since I've moved back here So I'm very grateful to have met him because now I no longer have to go to shows all by myself
1: And you met me as a burgeoning deadhead. Yeah, Yeah, I was like that was the year. I fell in love with the dead.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's right So anyway, that's how we met um
1: should we get to the drink uh, yeah and
0: let's do a little a little wine booze review
1: all right all right so i already
0: gave you the sneak peek on what brad was drinking and we can get back to that in a second but (laughs) pretty
1: much a reveal
0: (laughs) i stopped by so down the street on second street is this liquor store that's like literally right on my my street so i grabbed this bottle of literally it's just called bronco bronco <laughs> white
1: bronco and it's got a moped on it, it has
0: a cool little moped on it which is the reason why i bought it because duh i've like come yeah. home thinking it's gonna be the best wine ever shit i mean it could easily be a 6.99 ah. of like barefoot not blown away yeah not terrible like i'm probably gonna drink the whole bottle and be drunk but i mean am i gonna buy it again nah
1: you know, with wine, I pretty much stick. There's this. It's called the Merlot Coastal, and it's it's four dollars fifty cents. It beats out most twenty dollar wines. Really? Yeah. And anytime I like, if I get sometimes like I'll go back to my fifteen twelve dollar wines, and it'll give me headaches. Like there's a if you get I, this a big. i don't know, I'm, if I was drinking a wine. Actually, there's a, probably an empty bottle back at my house, but. <laughs> The Merlot Coastal would be my pick.
0: All right, I got it. All right, well, thank you for the recommendation. Yeah,
1: I don't know. You probably don't like Merlots, though. No, I do. Oh, yeah? I do okay. like
0: Merlots. The only Reds I really don't love are just like super chalky tanniny
1: cabs. Yeah. Like yeah.
0: I like if I'm gonna drink something like that, I want to be eating.
1: Yeah, I don't exactly. want to just be
0: chilling, drinking like a chalk wine. You know? Like, yeah.
1: No. Yeah, I agree. With it's you just on that. like
0: all weird on the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, but no, I do like Merlots. Um, and then what about you? What, what are you I drinking? Have? I am
1: drinking. So I'm basically just drinking Jameson with what was ice when now was just melted water <laughs> and some faucet water that I had later on. <laughs> but it's that's my, I love Jameson. It always treats me well. It keeps me from getting a. Oh, and then I must mention, too, that it's the kit, the, what I have it in, because we didn't have a lowball class.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a whiskey class. <laughs> I'm drinking glass.
1: it out of a short Co- pink, like it's, like it's like a midget coffee cup. Uh, and it's pink and it says Catitude in <laughs> very, very, very large letters that take up the entire side.
0: <laughs> We're going to have to get a picture of you with the Catitude midget mug after yes, the recording. <laughs> with my squid hat on. <laughs> yes, he also brought a. Prop for a hat
1: I brought way too much shit. Um, it's because I'm going to music festival this weekend and, uh,
0: You're and just getting the... prepared. It's getting, getting very
1: stinky. It needs a wash
0: <sighs> All right, I feel like it's like pretty much you now. All
1: right, I guess so I because there are some big words in mind So like I feel before we get drinking too much. I guess I should go first. Yeah.
0: Yeah <laughs> And I would also just like to tell everybody um, Brad showed up with printed notes an iPad with notes
1: and my original chicken scratch notes
0: his original hard copy chicken scratch notes on a college ruled notebook <laughs> as well as an actual book about oh, his yeah, woman
1: yeah. Oh I did yeah and I'll that probably is in his, his backpack. backpack Yes <laughs> I this am, is the I am most an Eagle Scout. So <laughs> anybody
0: has ever brought to the table on this podcast. Well,
1: I've, I've been so excited because as soon as <laughs> your podcast came around, I really, this woman came to mind. And I know that we had started mentioning you're gonna have guest hosts, and I always kind of kept this. I thought for some reason you guys I had recommend because I know I recommend I forgot all the ones I recommended. And I kept getting mixed up, mixed up, and I thought these phantom memories that you would already did it. So I actually had to ask you the name, but tell you not to to to, uh, <laughs> to actually look it up because she didn't hear of it, and she Mm-mm. you guys didn't do it. That's just my crazy mind. But the woman that I am doing today, her name is Henrietta Lax, and from where you have no clue who she is, right? I have
0: no idea who she is, and.
1: This person I has virtually benefited every person on the planet of Earth, if you can really think about it. Like, I'm, that's not an exaggeration. That's how many people this person's life she's made better. Uh, so I'll just begin with her yeah, story then. Yeah, just dive yeah, in. I Tell know me all about it. All right. So Henry Lydda Lacks was an African-American woman born in 1920 in Roanoke, Virginia. After her mother, Eliza, died when she was four, giving birth to their tenth child, her father Johnny moved the children to Clover, Virginia, where they were spread amongst the relatives. Uh, Henrietta actually ended up ending up with her uh, her grandfather Lax. He was a uh, tobacco. He he had a tobacco plantation um, that he and the family lived on and worked uh, that he actually inherited from his white slave owning father. So, Whoa! Yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah. Wait, hold
0: on. So he was African American. So. Or- no, he was
1: African. Well, I guess I guess probably half African. There's the the, the the information. I mean, there there's the information is a little bit sparse on this, but okay. yeah, because uh, they they described it as Henrietta's great white grandfather which would have been her grandfather's father obviously but he inherited the the plantation and they actually lived in the two two story log cabin that was the slave quarters when it was a tobacco farm under slavery Uh, so anyway she um, attended a colored only school at the time because obviously that's what they had uh, until sixth grade and, um, and she dropped out because on the two mile hike on the way there she had to pass by the white only school and the white only children would pelt rocks at her every day and so uh, after sixth grade, she said enough, and then she quit and then uh, went to work basically where all the rest of her family ended up working, which is in the field, the tobacco fields working and helping the grandfather. Um, like I said, there's not much info thereafter about her life, but uh, I, because I know you want to do the astrology sign at the end, I dug and search and found as much as I could, especially about her personality, which it, as, as more people get to know this woman, the more is found out about her actual life. Um, Here's basically most of what is known. Uh, She um, was always described in the family as the standout. Uh, She was the center of attention at parties as she loved dancing. Uh, She was known to be sassy and the the risk taker, Um, but she was also just, I guess, exceptionally beautiful. And despite being as poor as they were, she made an effort to always dress fashionably and took particular care of her uh, nails and even her toenails to make sure they were always painted red. Uh, she was described as the envy of every girl in Clover and never had a shortage of men that wanted her attention. Uh, but it wasn't just her looks that attracted people. She was known um, as to be one of the generous, like the most generous caregiver in the town, uh, taking care of many of the family and extended family members and friends and people she didn't even know. Uh, one of her cousins, Cootie, which is, I think, yeah, he's in the book. He's, he's in a little, a little bit of the book. Um, who she cared for who had been stricken with polio and just remember that that he'd been stricken with polio because that's important later on uh, But he described her as kind as she was pretty and lovey-dovey. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah But uh, so in 1935 uh, when she was just 14, she had her first child Lawrence with her uh, cousin David Daylax gnarly. Yeah, but then cousin married. I mean Einstein married. She's His cousin, so or or, so it was. It was, I guess, more common. You kind of have to put things a little bit of a different different time, different perspective. Um, And then in 1939, they had a a daughter named Elise who had uh, developmental disabilities and couldn't speak. Oh man. Then in 1941, Henrietta and Day were actually finally married. After that, Uh, then a year later, they moved from the tobacco barn to Sparrows Point, Maryland, where Day took a job with. Their cousins, because basically everybody was cousins, <laughs> uh, took a job with a the, with the cousin that had worked at a steel mill there. Um, the couple would go on to have three more children, Sonny Lacks in 1947. Deborah Lacks will become more important later in the story in 1949. And her last child was Joseph Lacks in 1950. Um, while she was pregnant with Joseph, the doctors actually rem- recommended that she commit her daughter, Elise, who had the developmental issues, uh, to the hospital for the Negro insane. But uh, that name was later changed, which it was actually at the time because all the articles did list that I guess to try and frame it in the worst possible light before but actually by the time that she had been committed there had actually been renamed at that point to crownsville hospital center the hospital for the insane yeah yeah and and perhaps why they did that is because uh she was only she was there till 1955 and by then she was 15 she died from most likely mistreatment because they were just they were they the thing that was that was a sad thing um and this will also kind of come back around in a sense is uh they did a lot of medical experience on african-americans back then and, and especially like the mental hospitals like there was there was a lot of just experimental procedures that were taken out on them because they weren't quite seen as human so like uh yeah mental hospitals were not a friendly place to no, be back then well no um but anyway so then shortly after she commits her her daughter to the insane asylum uh in 1951 she uh, goes to John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, uh, where she'd previously been to give birth to her last child, because it was the only hospital in the area that actually treated black patients. Um, and she reported that she felt a knot inside her womb. She, she Had she had done, she'd actually, she'd felt it, for, she knew for like a year before that uh, something was wrong, and she'd actually crawled into her bathtub one day and found this, this really gnarly knot inside her womb. Wait, um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're telling
0: me she stuck her hand up her vagina? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, she had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like, okay. I was trying not to say. <laughs> but yeah, she was having like this bleeding, and she was having a lot of pain in there, and she and, and she knew there was something wrong, and so finally, because she was in so much pain, she poured a, a very hot bath, oh and they just went in God. there, and then just put her hand gnarly. in there and felt this this gnarly what she called a knot. Just oh. sitting there on her womb. Okay. Um. And her her local doctor get at more the time. Wine for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're gonna. You're gonna. <laughs> this one might blow your mind a bit. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> so she uh, goes into her doctor. Her doctor's name's Howard Jones, which probably doesn't matter. Um. And he takes a a, a biopsy of the mass that's on there, and it, she gets it diagnosed with an aggressive cervical cancer, oh, which uh, these follow-up treatments, uh, tissue samples from her cervix and the tumor were actually taken out without her permission. And they gave it to this guy named George Guy, who uh, is a, a physician and the cancer research. And so after that, in August 8, 1951, Henrietta was admitted to the hospital permanently due to just her continued pain. Uh, there she received blood transfusions and remained there until her death on October 4th, 1951, at the age of 31. Oh my God. Uh, the autopsy revealed that the uh, cancer that had started in her cervix had actually spread all the way throughout her entire body. Um, however, a part of her still lives with us today, and that is the part from which everyone virtually on Earth has benefited from, and that's uh, her, her cancer cells, and they're known as HeLa cells. And they, uh, the way that they got the name Gila is because her name's Henrietta Lacks. And at the time when they would do that, they would take the, the first two letters of the first name and the last name and put it on there. Um, but nobody actually knew that her name was ever Henrietta Lacks. Uh, I think it wasn't until the 70s when that was finally revealed. What George Guy was trying to do at the time, and scientists all over the world are trying to do, is they were trying to uh, cultivate human cells outside of a body. Um, that basically could be replicated for research, because at that point to test for vaccines or test for anything, they had to do it on patients or or animal cells. Um, so they, this was kind of like the holy grail of of biology, and they knew the answer to these what they called immortal cell lines somehow um, that were tied to cancer cells most likely, uh, because cancer cells in a sense are immortal, and so. I'm not a scientist, but I'm going to go in here and try to explain some of the, scientists. It's the science of it. Uh, if it gets too technical for me, just stop me and let, it, okay. let me know, okay? <laughs> but um, basically, the way that a, a healthy cell works is that your chromosomes, which contain all your DNA, your genetic information, at the end of them, there's these things called telomeres. And you can kind of think of them as uh, like the the plastic piece on the end of my shoelace here, which is actually called an aglet, if anybody's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting fun And it, this is have. not this is not an original comparison. This is just basically how most people explain telomeres. Um, but like as if my shoelace was wearing with time, this uh, the telomeres at the end of it. The, basically, what like like the aglet on the end of the shoelace here, it keeps all that genetic information tighten and not undamaged mm-hmm. but as you age as your cell ages because it replicates and the cell is only meant to replicate so many times that telomere actually starts to wear down and as it wears down the cell gets a little bit more damaged, gets a little bit more damaged to the point where it's the telomeres are gone and then that's when cell death happens if you guys remember from biology class apoptosis i think optop, apoptosis. literally no <laughs> one remembers any of this shit. <laughs> um but basically this is how you age if all your cells, because they only, they they replicate so many times, and as these telomeres wear off, the cell gets a little bit damaged. They're kind of like the con or not, or not condoms. Uh, they they're kind, but they're <laughs> but the reason they're also there too. It's a safety mechanism because a cell is only meant to replicate because the built into the the. The function of the cell it knows that after a certain amount of time it replicates it gets too damaged to be functional anymore so that's it it's like a, it just it, that's the trigger and it explodes and it's done
0: so then it just dies it just dies
1: yeah and then that's but uh and, and all your different cells depending on like what part of your body uh like heart cells for instance they don't they, their telomeres never wear out they don't even have telomeres in a sense uh but like hippocampal cells they'll stay with you but they used to everyone used to think that cells, re- you'd recycle all your cells every seven years. That was the, the thinking until very recently. And, and a lot of this wouldn't happen because of, without HeLa cells, to be honest, we, we figured out how different cells age. And that's a whole different story. That actually involves um, all the atomic bombs that we've blown off in the air. Whoa. And But because there's so many, our body is actually, because the carbon that's it uh, created from, there, it's or it's actually like a super nitrogen, but the, it's absorbed into our food and everything else. And uh, we're actually able to to map the, the, the level. Of these these chemicals in our in our bodies, and that's how we were actually able to figure out how our different how old our different cells are. That's another that's could be a whole other actually is, is a podcast. On it. Sorry, the whiskey's starting to hit a little. Good, <laughs> that's how we like and it. And maybe a little bit of the weed that I had before too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, let's get back to to biology. Cell yeah. biology. So what happens in a cancer cell is um there's this protein called Tel, uh, telomerase, and it's actually the protein that uh, that tells the telomeres to, to stay, to keep them well, or to keep growing, keep growing. And what happens is, uh, in a cancer cell, that's activated, and so these these cells basically just keep replicating, even though they shouldn't be. they damaged cells, and then that's how cancer starts. Crazy. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what. But so they knew because. Cancer cells in itself are, are immortal, but they, uh, they knew that this cell line somehow had to do with, with cancer cells. Uh, but the thing was, even if you took cancer cells outside of a body, they don't live. And mm. they, at least they wouldn't live for maybe more than a couple days. Because in, in. they need, like, the host body, right? Yeah. They, I. You know, it's, it's just they can't live outside of a body. They're just not that uh, durable in a sense. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a scientist. Weird. So I can't it's, all like, answers. grossing me out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And if, all and these, you know, like, if, cancers on me right now. But if you've, uh, you want me to describe uh, Henrietta's tumor. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Should you? <laughs>
1: I guess you might as well if I'm going to mention it, but they said it was like gelatinous and purple. Like it didn't look normal. Like it was the uh, doctor guy, because they interview him actually on that that radio lab episode, and he said it was unlike, he didn't remember really anything about her, what she looked like, but he's like, oh, I remember that tumor. He's like, I'll never forget that tumor because it was just this gnarly, unlike anything. And he'd seen, obviously, he'd been collecting every single tissue sample of cervical cancer that came through John Hopkins. So he'd seen a lot. And, uh, and all those other tissue samples that he took, they would, uh, they would feed it some cell food in a sense, and it would maybe last a couple of days, die. And that's what happened with every single one. But when they took these HeLa cells, uh, they started growing and they grew like, they grew rapidly. I mean, like they, they, let me get back to my notes here. <laughs> uh, here we go. So basically he finds that the, these HeLa cells can actually survive outside of the lab and uh, what he does because this is like I said this is the holy grail they've been looking for this immortal cell line uh, he starts giving it away for free for for research and uh, it ends up at the Tuskegee Tusk Tuskegee Institute Research Institute which is a government research institute at the time it's no longer uh, it's no longer existing but um, they found out that the polio virus actually loved HeLa cells and it would actually infect it and it would replicate so they had something to test a polio vaccine on in a sense so shortly after that jonas salk ends up finding the polio vaccine which just to put some perspective on that that's uh it was this this one of the biggest epidemics at the time they would be like in late summer where they would that was a polio season uh they would shut down pools and schools or because it would affect children mostly but i mean i don't know if you know or not but fdr was also infected by polio yeah, I did uh, know and that. that's really what put it in the, the spotlight and it affected Poor, young, affected everyone. So everyone was afraid. of. So it was this huge breakthrough. Um, and then after they realized that, uh, the Tuskegee Institute ends up opening up a second fact. Because what they did is they, they actually made this like mass producing factory that was producing all these HeLa cells and just giving them out for free for research. Uh, but then after that, they make a second, even bigger factory. And this one's for profit and uh, this is the first time in history where human biological mir- uh, material was actually uh, commercialized, basically. It was the first biotech company. Um, and that's how this whole revolution was created. And, and basically, the whole field of virology of the, the study of viruses was created because of HeLa cells. Um, and then after that, basically, every vaccine that you can think of uh, HeLa cells were involved in Uh, HeLa cells actually went up into space before humans did Um, they were the first successfully cloned uh, cell they uh, aided in research for cancer obviously AIDS uh, the effects of radiation toxic substances they had a huge part in gene mapping in the human genome which which was pretty recent in 2009, there was an estimated more than 60,000 scientific articles that had been published and researched uh, with HeLa. And that number, I guess, is increasing st- has been increasing steadily with more than 300 papers each month. Um, in 2008, uh, the, actual, the new Nobel Prize winner uh, was, uh, was given because of his research with Hela cells that showed that um, viruses can actually cause cancer, uh, specifically the HPV virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's actually what caused, uh, um, can't the, the cervical cancer and Henry had a specific case. Um, and then I'll actually get back to that later, uh, about, the, about uh, the HPV virus and what it did to her cells and why her cells are that way. Cause that was actually a big mystery. Nobody could figure out why these cells could live outside of, there was no other cells like this. Literally, it's, it was such an alien thing. And, and, uh, so we'll get back to that. Why they are seem so superhuman, but, um. And basically, in the 1970s, because HeLa has been so prevalent and so successful in the labs, it's actually beginning to contaminate. Because at this point, they've learned how to make other immortal cell lines uh, artificially. And then now they actually have found some more, I guess you could call them organic immortal cell lines like HeLa's. But it was so prevalent and so successful in replicating actually began contaminating other cell cultures in the labs, because it can travel by air travel on dust particles. And then so they actually had all these these cell cultures that were now contaminated, and they had no way to figure out whether cell cultures had been contaminated by HeLa. So they needed some type of test to see if the HeLa was in the cell culture. Um, And the only way they could do that was by getting an unaffected cell, which would only come from her family. Crazy. So this is the first time that anyone actually ever thought about the person behind this immortal cell line and, and asked who she was. And then that's like, this is when her name was actually revealed. So um, in 1970s, when the, the family of Henrietta Lacks, all her children, she had finally learned about HeLa cells. And basically what the, the John Hopkins researchers came in, they took blood samples of all of them uh, for their own benefit, because their labs were all screwed up because they needed to fix all the contaminated helo cell cultures, um, gave a very kind of high-brow explanation of what they were doing with her, their mother cells and and uh and you have to think these people the the family's highly uneducated doesn't even know what a cell is well,
0: how old were these kids by then I mean, uh, this, was what, like 15, this is what like this is yeah they were, years? they
1: were ranging in age i think deborah who will become more important in the story um she was 15 at the time um, and, and that's and basically that's what happened to the lax family for the next 20 years so these scientists come and take all their blood for their own benefit mm-hmm. Um, kind of giving them this explanation that none of them understand, telling them that they're they're cloning their mother's cells, basically. Well, and and like you...
0: imagine them coming back all these years after she's been dead,
1: right? And, and they're it, like, "Hey, and guess and
0: what? A... Uh, your mom's been dead for like a million years, but we want we're like doing studies on her. Yeah, and now we need like you to give us some of your like DNA.
1: Yeah, and we've been doing all these these tests, <laughs> to, to, you know, <laughs> basically sending her into space, what infecting her with. With, you know, polio and, oh and doing God. all these, which, yeah. and you've got to think about there they don't know, they didn't know, have any kind of scientific facts. So they think it's a part, they say it's part of their, like they described it as being part of your mother, like as if their mother was still living on. So they, especially in Deborah's head, which I'm going to admit a lot of the family details because I, I do want everyone to, um to go, If whether you read that there's a book by Rebecca Sloot named The Mortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which... It's not only one of my favorite science books, but one of my favorite all-time books. I, I love that book. Um, but uh, there's also a great HBO movie starring Oprah as Deborah as Deborah Lacks, who I'm about to introduce to you. So 1970s, when the family first finds out about the that her mother's cells, cancer cells, have had this life after she's died. Um, so in the meantime, as I was talking about uh, Deborah, she uh, she. She's kind of because she's trying to figure she's been told at a young age, obviously, that your mother's being cloned. I mean, so as she gets older and, go- and the internet comes around, she starts Googling Gila and uh, and and she's going, she thinks she she's she, and she's she's had a, a real fucked up childhood in a sense. A lot of stuff happened to, to Henrietta's kids after she died, which are it's it's sad, um, but it's you know, it, it you know whatever uh it's a, <laughs> <laughs> not, what, not what i didn't mean whatever i'm trying i'm trying not to read the thing is uh, i try not to reveal too much because i would i really want you guys to watch that for that part yeah uh but, but a lot of fucked up things happen to deborah and um and so she starts googling henrietta Lacks and she's hitting these these the searches like oh first and then you have to also in the meanwhile this there's there's several people that come into the lax family over the next 20 years that try to take advantage of them or say that they're gonna get money for them and and totally just fuck them over so yeah. they're they don't want it. they and then and, and also they've they have realized they were fucked over by John Hopkins and all these researchers like, cuz in the meantime this multi-billion dollar industry is taking off and they're living in poverty and poor health and yeah. haven't seen a single dime from their mother cells yeah um so, Deborah is, she has, she's, she, her greatest fear, she thinks that her mother has been cloned and that she's, and she's so afraid that she's going to run into her mother on the street. And she's just living in paranoia all the time. Um, so, fast forward to 1999. And I'm going to, well, I already mentioned her earlier, but Rebecca Scoot, she's, uh, she kind of could almost be the second feature person on this because she's the person responsible for really exposing Henrietta to the entire world. um But, uh, Actually, I'll start. She she, she first found, I'll, I'll, I'll just read a quote from her. Um, I first learned about Henrietta Lacks in the late 80s when I was 16 and sitting in a basic biology class at Portland Community College. My teacher, Donner, Donald Deffler, mentioned HeLa cells, saying they were one of the most important tools in medicine. Then almost as an aside, he said they came from a woman named Henrietta Lacks and she was black. That was the moment I became obsessed with Henrietta. I went up to Defler after class, started asking questions about whether her family knew the, about the cells. They didn't. And what her race had to do with any of them being alive. But he stopped me saying no one knew anything else about Henrietta, just her name and her race. Defler, being the good biology teacher he was, suggested I do some research to see if I could find any information about Henrietta Lacks. And basically that's what starts her obsession with it. Um, also she's another quote from her, the year that I first learned about HeLa cells, my father also got very sick because of a viral infection. One day he went from being my healthy marathon running dad to being completely in, to being incapacitated. He lost his memory and he couldn't move from a recliner in the living room. It was terrifying. No one knew what to do, what was wrong with him and it left him permanently disabled he enrolled in a clinical trial that had some ethical problems, and I watched it all. When I first heard about Henrietta, I thought, "I wonder if she had any kids, and what they would think about those, or what they would think about those cells." So uh, she goes on to get her uh, MFA in creative nonfiction, and she decides she wants to write a book on Henrietta and, and, and expose, basically, let everyone know her story. Um, so in 1999, she starts reaching out to the Lax family. Obviously, they're very hesitant and resistant. Um, but, uh, she finally does get through to, to Deborah, saying that she's so afraid of this and that her, that her, she's afraid that her mom can still feel all the stuff that her, what's being done to herself. So Rebecca is the first person in, in, and actually for all the Lacks family to sit them down and actually educate them about what it is. Basically like it's cutting off a fingernail and that's your, your, your that's their cells in your fingernail. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. almost the equivalent, although your fingernail cells don't continue to live on <laughs> mm um but so she uh after a while she deborah starts open up for her and they start traveling together over the next many years um starting to interview distant family members that actually knew henrietta when she was alive um and they become very close friends after this and uh one of deborah's wishes is that she always wish she could hold her mother and hug her mother. So what uh, Rebecca ends up doing for her, she takes her to, to, I think it was John Hopkins, the research hospital and has one of the doctors, um, they, they dye the cells like this, this neon green and they turn off all the lights and they project it up on the walls. Whoa. So she could actually see her cells on the microscope. That's crazy. Things. Yeah, And then, uh, and it's just this beautiful moment where, and this is, it's actually all on tape too. Cause Rebecca was always going around with a, a recorder. Um, the, uh, the scientist hands her a, a vial of her mother's cells, and it's cold because it comes, it's always got to stay cold. And, uh, and she's sitting there just rubbing it and just holding it because that's what she always wanted to do. And this is shortly before the book is published. Um, and, but right after that, uh, Deborah actually ends up dying of a heart attack. What the fuck? Yeah, Was yeah. she old? No, she wasn't, but she was very high strong, and you'll find, like, she just, like, uh, there's a point, uh, where they were together and she gets so stressed because she like breaks out and hives. She actually... Th- because she's so so many people have fucked over their family, she gets paranoid at one point, thinking Rebecca is is, is actually trying to just steal her mother's uh, uh, I think it was actually her opt her medical records because somebody had tried to do, and she she tries to like choke choke her back out and has like a like they they because they have such a journey together yeah. like she she it's that's what's so wonderful about this book is it begins <laughs> as like a research writer but she becomes part of the story herself.
0: It's so sad because it almost sounds that like Deborah. Like, made herself sick, like, not intentionally, yeah. just from like all the stress. Yeah, and no, and she was yeah, exactly and the trauma and like the lack of trust and just like all this chaos. It just like literally like killed her. It
1: ages you, and and it literally does. Like, when I was talking about those, those telomeres wearing out, like, doing. Poor life choices, like drinking, <laughs> drinking in in ex in excess, or that that's what damages your cells, and and your d- cells can only damage so time so many times, and every time you do that, it wears a little bit of that tumor, and that's how we age. That's really like that's why you, if you really take care of yourself, you can your body can age a lot slower than say mm-hmm. other people. But that the, we wouldn't have understood any of that without and but, I mean yeah, I mean Deborah, you, the stress it really can kill you. It, um. But so, anyways, after that, the book comes out and it's a phenomenal success. I'm like, not even going off the notes anymore. <laughs> um, and all these memorials and foundations are set up uh, for the Lex family in particular. Um, and Henrietta's is given all these honorary doctorates, and, and she's finally getting the recognitions that she need or that she always did deserve uh and then um one of the coolest things too is rebecca starts going on this book tour and, and one of the sons Sunny, initially first starts coming with her and uh the people who show up the q a's would start asking him questions and then, and then it turned into like scientists showing up just being there to thank him for their mother cell and telling and then it eventually ended up being the whole lax family actually traveled with henry or not henrietta with rebecca mm. and um and they would these scientists show up and say, "Oh, I've did this with your mother cells, and this is how they've helped with our research." And they, and we just, and they would sit there and just thank them graciously for, for what their, their mother cells did. Um, and so after all this, after uh, the, 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 the Lax family's been screwed over time and time again, and it finally seems like justice is served. In 2013, uh, these German scientists,
0: fucking germans
1: (laughs) (laughs) it it kind of has a happy ending at the end because i only
0: said that because i'm we fuck a lot of germans in my story so
1: oh you do yeah it was oh by the way is there any baby back bitches and there's a couple like i don't know if there's anybody qualifies as a full baby back bitch in this because like you can't blame george guy he gave away the cells for free for medical research when we didn't have the polio vaccine so it's like that's what's so great about this story it walks so many ethical lines where um and, and, and it kind of ends on that way, too. Um, so anyways, these German scientists end up publishing the whole genome of the HeLa cell. And basically, because Henrietta's real DNA is in there, it's like publishing medical records. So somebody can go in there and analyze it and say you have this and this percent of chance for bipolarism, for alcohol. And, so, and somebody actually did that. And this information was just put up online for any, without the family's permission after all this Um, and so Rebecca finds it and she brings it to the family's attention and the family of course wants to take it down so they take it down and what they've done now is they've set up a a committee because the genome is very important to science um, to at least understanding uh, how the the Gila cell actually is so supernatural in a sense so what they have now is a committee with the family is on the committee. Basically, it's made of the, the family. And if somebody needs it for research, they have to submit an application, and, and then it's, it's granted to them. So that's eventually the, the compromise they came to. But because of that, um, we actually found out why HeLa cells are so special or what made them so special. And we're going to get a little bit s- uh, into depth in the science again. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the whiskey's working against me. I'm going to try my best. <laughs> But, um, so when viruses, basically what they are is they're little clips of genetic information that are just, they're not quite alive and they're not quite dead. That's what's strange about viruses. Um, so the HPV virus, which caused Henrietta's cancer, um, it's basically like a wad of cancer cells and what it ended up doing is it inserted herself into the, um, had all these pronunciations so good before I came. The genes, which uh, the uh in your DNA, if they are altered, that's what causes cancer. So basically it was like a perfect storm. This little wad of cancer cells came in right into the genes area of her DNA. And it created this super mutant... Um, Chromosome basically, instead of like we normally have 46 chromosomes on a HeLa cell, there's 70 80, which is actually led some scientists to propose it as a new species. Of, what the fuck? Yeah, which it's that's not exactly taken seriously because it's you know, it's but basically, that's what what happened is this HPV virus came in and altered the cancer cells, which were already cancerous and made them super cancerous, and that's what allowed them to be um, as durable and as virulent as they were.
0: Did they figure out how she got HPV?
1: Um, she had syphilis. Uh, I know that she had that. I mean, I'm sure she just contracted it because it was very, it was very common then. And the thing was, we didn't. They didn't even know what HPV was until HeLa cells. That's the what you have to remember. Yeah. <laughs> when they all this, the research that all the science that I just gave you, none of that would have been possible without all the research that they had to deal with. HeLa cells were very much involved. It. Uh, um, and my brother, who who worked actually works in cancer research, um, he knew of HeLa cells and had worked with them, but he didn't even know about Henrietta. That's, no
0: way. Yeah, and so I That's sent him this up. book. Yeah, yeah. How fucked is that?
1: I know, and it's but uh, but now because of this book and and because of this 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 movie, I think came out in two thousand seventeen. It's really it's become it's I, I'm sure I, I don't know I don't know if everybody's gonna know because this is still kind of <laughs> a weird thing for somebody to be into, but. Uh, she's definitely getting the recognition now. And that's and the thing is, like w- that's what Deborah always. like, Deborah was actually the one that wanted to go on the book tour. She said that she wanted to she had a dress picked out. like Rebecca, they were uh, Rebecca Sloot, and they said that she had her dress picked out for Oprah, like eight years before the book even came out. Like oh my god like Deborah had always that's what like could literally drove her is because she knew that her mother, such the injustice that her mother had been served uh it drove her crazy and then the rebecca coming along and being her savior in a yeah. sense and uh like i said the rebecca sleuth's almost kind of like the second featured yeah, women really of this is. she's an incredible woman uh i i developed quite a crush on her while i was reading the book <laughs> <laughs> i have not <laughs> like do you see this little surprised. do you see this little picture in the back i've ever like so many times during the book she's like cute. going up and kissing oh, it or like hugging it because God. i was just so impressed by this book like this is like I said, once again, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. But that is the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. I've talked quite a bit, I feel. Okay,
0: well, I need. To, I have a question. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just need to make sure nothing got jacked up. I hate when this thing goes to sleep. Okay, right. Oh,
1: look, we're still under an hour.
0: Um, okay, so just to make sure I'm 100% clear, right. Henrietta got HPV. Correct. And it developed a cancerous tumor in her leg uterus.
1: Correct. Are you worried that it's going to happen to you? No. Oh.
0: So the cancerous tumor was like dissected by biologists or scientists or whatever. And that's where they discovered a cell they'd never seen before.
1: No, they didn't even know what, because like cell, the cell, the study of cells or cell, like uh, the reason why HeLa was so effective. Um, like, I
0: guess I'm still confused mm-hmm. as to like, why, like, I know that the tumor was ugly and disgusting, yeah. but like, why did they even think to study it so much?
1: Because they were searching for a cell line that the, like human cells that they could just put stuff into and see how it reacted. So but, they're
0: going to put things into her tumor and see how the tumor reacted? no, no,
1: no, 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 no. just the, the, the so what they did is they took a very, very small piece of the tumor, okay. the tumor itself, and put them in the petri dish essentially. And they'd done this with every other cervical cancer patient that came through. Um, and they would feed it the cell food in a sense and see if it would start replicating on its own in the dish. Oh
0: like grow or yeah, expand? Yeah and okay. what would
1: happen with all the previous specimens is they would die within a couple of days.
0: Oh this one wasn't dying? And this
1: one basically like and then there's an interview with the lady who actually did it uh, but she gave it the food and she went to, to lunch not thinking anything happened and could we grow. I came back the next day it grow anymore and it was it was just growing rapidly um, and, and so what they started doing is, is they tested it with the the polio vaccine really took to the HeLa cell and the reason why because even though HeLa is like a mutant human (coughs) genome you could say um uh it would still react very much the same way a human cell would so uh that's how they were able to test all these different vaccines but the entire field of virology was created because of the discovery of this Um, and then since then like i said there's been other Immortal cell lines that have been made and found artificially, or have been found, but they still use Henrietta's because it's like one of so Sebastian they're still more. using they're that still today. They still use it. You can still buy it. Yeah, it's still available. Buy it. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't know if you, yeah, you might have to be a, a research facility, but <laughs> but yeah, it's still for sale. It's that's what's it's it's crazy, right? Yes. And you think like, and that's also like, when do you when is when do you die and when do you don't if there's still a piece of you and. Ew yeah
0: well i mean that's like an alien piece of you
1: yeah yeah well and then that's really what it was it was a muted this this like i said a virus is just this piece of genetic material that that infects other genetic and I mean alters the, literally the genetic makeup of it and uh and that's what happened with henrietta's cells except instead of destroying it just turned it into this superhuman what people almost want to call a new species
0: creepy yeah that is so gnarly. Yeah. I've literally never thought about viruses this much in my life.
1: Yeah, viruses are very cool because they, they they ride the line between alive and, and dead.
0: That's like, it's like kind of scary.
1: It is, it is, right? Yes. And especially you as a female with HPV and it being, I mean. Be...
0: Well, guys are carriers of HPV. I know, and it doesn't really affect us. No, no. It, they just infect women and kill yeah. them. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do my best to be safe. You
0: know. Gnarly. Well, and I think, like, men are carriers without knowing.
1: Exactly, yeah. Which is even and cause more fucked up. Because we don't have, up. we don't notice it. And it's, I guess, it's from one of the most common STDs.
0: Yeah. You wouldn't, and, like, a lot But of Henrietta's things-
1: case is very... It's like, you know, that doesn't happen to, it hasn't happened anyone since, obviously.
0: That's so nuts. Yeah,
1: it's and it's it's so cool because it's almost sci-fi in a sense, right?
0: Yeah. I don't know what I would do in the afterlife if, like, I had been dead all these years and people yeah. are still but poking think about around all the at good, my tissue. Yeah,
1: but think about all the good that the world has benefited from. I mean, you could, AIDS, like, all the virus, everything that you can think of that a vaccine has been made, it was tested on HeLa cells.
0: That's nuts.
1: Anyways, would, would, uh, do you have an astrological sign guess?
0: I do, but, I mean, it's pretty, like... I, I don't at any point feel like, oh, she's for sure this. Yeah, yeah. But my first guess would be Virgo. No. Okay.
1: And she does fall in... I looked it up, and she does seem to fall in line. Because I do know... I do. I know, like, what, three... I think I know four signs. <laughs> <laughs> I the like information on them now.
0: Um... So, like, when I think about her. Do you want
1: me to read, like, some of, like, so she was sassy. She was the center of attention at parties. Like, she was the the standout in the entire town. Like, everybody. And she, she kind of enreveled in, in that spotlight. Was she a Leo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave it away I know. Right? I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. That's too much. <laughs> well, so it's the only because that's what was my. Was that my rising? It's not my. Was it my moon either sign? It's your moon or your. Yeah, rising. it was one of those. Yeah.
0: The other one's Aries. I don't know which is which of yours. Yeah, but, but you have two fire signs and a, a water Aquarius.
1: But yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, sorry, air. I'm definitely an Aquarius through it through though.
0: 100%. <laughs> but I was just thinking uh Aries are known to like fall for people in 3 seconds. Ah. And I feel like that's a common trait of yours. <laughs> 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 so that kind of ties it, Even just with freaking whatever her name is I know, on the book. I know
1: I develop crushes Easily I do.
0: <laughs> But you know what the reason why I guess Virgo yeah. Is because Virgos are known To be very investigative And for her to just dive in full Throttle on her womb like that oh. To be like I'm gonna get to the bottom Of whatever the fuck's happening with me That was the only thing that made me think Virgo
1: Wow and you're because she actually said She had cancer like a year before the doctors ever did She like she said she just knew it Huh. Yeah.
0: So that was the, that was really my takeaway ah, on picking ah. Virgo.
1: Well, that's still good. Like I said, there's limited informo- information. Do you
0: know on this what, what Rebecca's zodiac sign is?
1: No, but I can look it up, and then we can guess. Because
0: that's that's that would be an interesting one.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So since I did Shirley Temple last time, and I think I did another celebrity before that, I was like, I want to do somebody different. And I wanted to do somebody that I thought you might find interesting. And I know you're kind of like into historic stuff. I don't know how much, but for some reason I kind of was like, I want to do somebody that he might not know that has like a really interesting historical background that like you might think of and want to learn more about on your own terms. Send me
1: in another heel hole.
0: Oh yeah. Which like she, her life isn't that extreme but um i think it's very interesting so today i'm covering somebody who i'd never heard of before i found her in one of my feminist books and her name is well first of all let me just start by saying i don't speak russian nor do i know how to speak russian nor do i know how to even pretend to have an accent of a russian person right
1: you can just blame it on the alcohol in this podcast (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so I'm going to speak like an American through these Russian names and words, okay. and I hope I don't offend anybody.
1: If this podcast hasn't already offended somebody. Then...
0: <laughs> so many people are mad. Yeah. <laughs> so today I'm covering a woman by the name of Maria Oktia Brinkaya.
1: I can't say I've ever heard of her.
0: <laughs> Which I know I did not say the yeah, last Yeah, maybe I do wrong. know
1: her by the other day. Yeah, no, I... <laughs>
0: And I think her name technically is Maria. Maria. But I'm going to call hey, is there,
1: her. Yeah, is it, How do you spell Maria? It's spelled
0: M A R I Y A. Ma- I think it's like Maria. Maria. But she is. Yeah, Maria. Maria. <laughs> um, but to just give a little brief summary on who Maria is before I get started, she was a tank driver in the Red Army who killed a shit ton of Nazis to avenge her husband's death. No way. And she was the first woman to win the Hero of the Soviet Union Award.
1: Wow. I am so interested in that. (laughs) I may have another crush.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Maria, just like Henrietta, was one out of ten children.
1: Wow, interesting. (laughs)
0: People really like to have a lot of babies back in the yeah, day. Yeah,
1: right. Wait, when she was born when she was born?
0: Um, she was born in nineteen oh five. Um, and she was one of ten children born into a very poor Russian or potentially Ukrainian family. It's like on on the offense of if she was Russian or Ukrainian.
1: Kinda of was the same thing at yeah. that point,
0: yeah. Um, on the Crimean Peninsula and before the Second World War, she worked in a canned food factory and then as a telephone operator which i think were two very like unknown things for women coming from very poor families in this time period yeah she still managed to somehow like hold careers for herself
1: comes kind of like in america where the war finally gave women yeah i think that was jobs. part of it yeah. it was
0: it's like all these men are out fighting war exactly. like we you guys got to get in the factories and get to work. It's
1: like uh, the Russian... What's her name? Riveter... The, the, what the... Rosie
0: the Riveter? Yeah, yeah, Rosie the Riveter. Is she Russian?
1: No, no, no. I just oh, yeah, saying yeah. it's like a Russian yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a Rosie it's the Riveter the, story. It's funny that the parallelism between... Like, the war is, has its positive points, and it's obviously much more negative and destructive points.
0: Yeah. So... Um, so yeah, before the war started, she was working in factories and having telephone operator jobs. And then in 1925, she married a Soviet army officer and began to immediately acquire an interest in military matters. In fact, one of her most famous mottos during this time period was, quote, marry a serviceman and you serve in the army. An officer's wife is not only a proud woman, but also a responsible title. Hmm. And at this time, the Eastern Front was bringing Hitler's army to Russia. So Russian women and children sometimes had to fill the shoes of their dead fathers, brothers, and husbands.
1: You know, the, the most, the country to lose the most people was Russia in that war. Like they compared to every other country, they lost the most.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when they, when the women and children had to kind of fill in for all of these missing yeah. men, that typically meant that they were either laboring to support the war machines or they could potentially be sniping officers or, like, whipping up Molotov cocktails. No
1: way. So they, they, they had them in, in combative duties, yeah, too. Yeah, huh? they
0: had them in combative duties. Oh, wow. It was like... You know, if any, basically, if any portion of your family was at war, like, you needed to be second in line. Wow. Regardless of your gender or age. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: They had everybody prepped and ready to rock and roll. Wow. (laughs) And as I've already mentioned in the first couple of minutes, Maria was stoked on it. Of course, yeah, yeah. She was like, oh, let's fucking do this shit. (laughs) Like,
1: hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... For Maria, like I just said, her perspective was that if her husband served the Red Army, then so did she. And it ended up turning out that the two of them weren't able to conceive. I don't know exactly why. Or maybe, like, it just wasn't happening. I don't know that she wasn't capable of it, but, like, they just weren't having kids. And so they both kind of just decided they were going to focus their attention on serving the country. So Maria became involved in what was called the Military Wives Council. And she received weapon training and she trained as a nurse in the army. And she was one of the very few women at this time to learn how to drive.
1: Wow. <laughs> was there other females in the army helping to the extent she did? or
0: I mean, the Military Wives Council, yeah, 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 all, yeah, of those, yeah. all of those women uh, were... You know, getting that's crazy. crazy. I
1: never knew this part of Russian history. I guess I, you know, there's a lot of Russian history. I don't know, but
0: I don't know like any Russian yeah, history.
1: I know. A, I know more like, a, I guess, 18th century Russian history more. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't know shit about Russia.
1: Catherine, <laughs> Catherine the Great. She's. If I ever come back on this spot she was actually very a close contender. You've
0: given you. That's yeah, I've given recommendation. a recommendation, yep.
1: but yeah, she had a lot of fuck boys in her day. <laughs>
0: So, for a little bit of backstory, Uh which you might already know, but just for the listeners in general. Yeah. In 1939, the Nazis and the Soviets signed a non-aggression pact, which went well for almost two years. Then, in June of 1941, the pact got fucked to shit when Hitler launched the biggest military invasion in the history of war against the Soviet Union. His goal was to wipe out all of the... Is it Slavic? Slavic? Slavic. Yeah, his goal was to wipe out all of the Slavic people who were living there and ultimately replace them with all German people. And it was a surprise attack that, needless to say, was in breach of the Nazi-Soviet pact and later was coined as the Operation Barbarossa. So when the Eastern Front of World War II opened, Maria was evacuated to Tomsk in Siberia. And while living in Tomsk, she learned that her husband had been killed fighting the forces of Nazi Germany near Kiev in August 1941. Oh. The news did not reach her until two years later.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, so she hadn't seen her husband that long.
0: No. He'd been at war for years. Wow. And she did not know he was even dead. Wow. So she was, like, you know, in Siberia, like, training and, like, fucking driving cars and making molotov cocktails and, probably like, in the back, and
1: like and like then seeing him again was probably in the back of my mind a big motivation for her oh in yeah sense.
0: oh yeah so obviously she was devastated and just pissed as fuck to be like oh my god it's been two years and i didn't even know you were dead like what the hell so rage and fueled inside <laughs> miss maria and she was real angry And she became very determined to fight the Germans in order to avenge (laughs) her husband's death.
1: Oh, yeah. Here's where it gets good.
0: (laughs) So, she made the extremely bold move to sell all of her possessions, to donate all of her possessions to a tank to the Red Army. And she requested that she have a T-34 sized medium tank.
1: Wait, wait. So, she... Donated her items to fund a tank, or, or so
0: basically, like every single thing she owned: yeah. house, furniture, car, food, clothing, savings account, money, husband's money. All of it was compiled together to purchase a tank.
1: <laughs> so the government didn't give her this thing. No. She purchased her. She own purchased
0: own tank. her own tank, <laughs> but she had to like buy it from the government, or she had to like buy yeah, a and they they were
1: all with it. Like, <laughs> sure, go ahead, lady. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So not only did she buy a tank, she knew exactly which tank she wanted. Oh my god, that is wanted. so
1: fucking awesome!
0: <laughs> she requested the T thirty four medium tank, with one request that the tank have a name, and the name would be Fighting Girlfriend.
1: <laughs> did she paint it on this? Way? Of course yes. she did. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting girlfriend,
0: and that she would be allowed to drive it.
1: Does it have a Russian name? Like was it, Russian oh, I,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, it was in like Russian? Oh, yeah. It was like letters. I, well, it was just symbols. I don't. I couldn't even. I'm sure no it idea. sounds much more sexy. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. like
1: aggressive. <laughs> I don't
0: know. So she wrote a letter to Stalin. Yeah. Wow. That read, "Quote: My husband was killed in action defending the motherland." I want revenge on the fascist dogs for his death and for the death of Soviet people tortured by the fascist barbarians. For this purpose, I've deposited all my personal savings, 50,000 rubles, to the National Bank in order to build a tank. I kindly ask to name the tank Fighting Girlfriend and to send me to the front line (laughs) as a driver of said tank.
1: Oh my God. Stalin
0: said, go for it. Yeah.
1: Did I mean did he did he give her anything else like in addition like their, no their uh, kind budget? of yeah
0: not any money like not any money yeah yeah or anything but like maybe else. more
1: guns or well
0: what he did give her which was extremely uncommon at this time was actual training on how to drive a oh, tank wow. so at this time she was thirty eight years old Thanks. she was enrolled in a five month tank training program immediately after she placed her donation. And this was super unusual because tank crews were typically just rushed straight into the front lines with absolutely no training whatsoever. Really, just so that they could get like warm-blooded people on the field. So there
1: was actually being trained to drive a tank was not a thing. How?
0: they just threw fucking people out there and were like, "Go fight or did this they ever give
1: a reason why Stalin?
0: I think because it was like she, her husband died. She literally."
1: Did I he mean, believe in her? Like he the... I mean,
0: I think it's kind of like like I was going to make this point at the end, yeah. but it's it makes sense to talk about now. Her husband died. She was willing to give up every single thing she owned knowing that she would die. Yeah. She was basically like, "I'm going to go to war to die." So I'm going to just give everything that I have now so that I can do everything I can to kill as many people as I can before yeah. I die.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's and how, if think, I'm going to die, that's how I would love to go out. I
0: think that kind of, like, determination yeah. and, like, passion.
1: No, of course, yeah. He
0: was probably, like... It's, like,
1: why kamikaze pilots like, are so effective, right? Yeah, he's, yeah. like,
0: no one's ever, like, had this kind of dedication before, like, let me at least, like, give you some training. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's I don't crazy want you to walking think of Stalin believing in a woman so much that he would uh, he would go out of his way to offer training when he offered no one. Like, he must have really believed, like, that's, uh, this is such a, I've never heard this. This is, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a cool story. Isn't it
0: cool? Yes.
1: And you so, know if the, if, if the, the Germans had never really turned on the Russians and the Russians hadn't joined our side, we wouldn't have won. Or we, it would have been a much longer war, probably. Yeah. At least.
0: Well, and Maria was right there mm-hmm. fucking fighting it.
1: So thank you, Maria. You can really... <laughs>
0: With her fighting girlfriend. Yes. So um, so she was able to undergo actual training so she could be prepared for the war. And after completing her training, she was posted on the 26th Guards Tank Brigade, which was part of the 2nd Guards Tank Corp, in September 1943 as a driver and a mechanic.
1: Wow, so she worked on her own tank, yep. too. Wow, this is quite a woman.
0: And as mentioned before, she named her tank the Fighting Girlfriend, and she displayed that on the side of her tank. I think in, like, paint or some kind of way, <laughs> but it was blasted Fighting Girlfriend on the side of the tank. And is tank. she
1: lining up with all the other tanks? Oh, so, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is she in by herself inside this tank? No. no, so
0: she has a crew. So... When she showed up with fighting girlfriend (laughs) without surprise many of her fellow tankers were like well who the hell are you is this a joke they thought it was like a publicity stunt for like media purposes really and they didn't really like believe in her or take her seriously but this attitude changed the minute that they saw her hit the war lines
1: she was probably the best one out there
0: oh yeah So, she fought in her first tank battle on October 21st, (laughs) 1943. I just, like, picture, like, (laughs) her on the top of a rhinoceros, just, like, charging. Like, leading
1: the, like, her in her tank, just, like, (laughs) "Ah, this this woman needs a movie. I know. Like, if there needs, if there's a female action figure or action, like, hero that could be made, this is her. Right? This is awesome.
0: It is really fucking awesome. So, yeah, so she fought in her first tank battle on October 21st, 1943. Maria outmaneuvered the German soldiers, killing around 30 of them. She destroyed machine gun nests, and she took out anti-tank guns. But then her tank was hit by gunfire, and Maria, disregarding orders, leaped out of her tank and effectively made repairs under heavy fire. She then got back in and proceeded to kill more Germans.
1: Oh, my.
0: <laughs> Maria had finally won the respect of her male comrades and was immediately promoted to the rank of sergeant.
1: After that? After of course, that. Yeah, you can't, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So she was leading, like, tank sergeant. She was tank like, sergeant. Tank sergeant. Oh.
0: A woman. Wow. In, like, the 1940s. And think how
1: far behind we were here in the U.S., right? yeah how many wives uf's wives would have maybe done the same thing and we could have had these the kamikaze i mean was, were they married or were they were just boyfriend girlfriend no they then, were huh? married it was oh. her husband that died yeah as well as but I, I was wondering why she didn't say tank wife then and said tank girlfriend
0: oh i or, don't know yeah,
1: that was the name of her right? yeah yeah yeah
0: no it was girlfriend girlfriend uh <laughs> shit i already forgot <laughs>
1: i know i know it's like don't <laughs> what
0: was her damn tank's name fighting girlfriend
1: fighting girlfriend so that's why i was like a little thrown <laughs> off because i was like i thought they i were, think it's they, they just like fi- like i'm
0: like i, I don't bet know. you in russian
1: fighting girlfriend sounds probably better than fighting wife maybe or something
0: or maybe like it translates in english as fighting girlfriend but <laughs> i don't really know that. what yeah. it means in russian we'll have <laughs> oh did look you just into... use
1: google translate no it,
0: it said that oh okay, like, okay. it said parentheses yeah. fighting girlfriend but it showed all these symbols of what the russian was yeah but i don't know what that yeah, shit yeah, yeah, says yeah. so It could potentially translate to something a little bit different. I don't know. Um, So, yeah, she got promoted to rank of sergeant. And during all of this, she wrote a letter to her sister describing her time in the war. And she told her, quote, I have had my baptism by fire. I beat the bastards. Sometimes I'm so angry I can't even breathe. (laughs) Which, like... I just get this, like, visual of having a baptism by fire. I, like, picture, like, Game of Thrones when, like, Danny, like, is naked in the flames. Right? And she's just, like, walking out like this angelic angel. Like, that's what I see.
1: And this woman's probably never relaxed unless she's, like, on a battlefield.
0: So, a month later, in November 17th, the Soviet forces captured the town of... Novaje Silado in the region of Vidbetsk during a night battle. <laughs> during this attack, Maria enlarged her reputation as a skilled tank driver. However, a German artillery, oh shit, a German artillery shell exploded against her tank's track, halting her advance. Hmm she and a fellow crewman jumped out to repair the track again while other crew members provided covering from the turret
1: oh yeah i meant to ask uh, how many crew members did she have
0: i don't actually know how many oh, okay. but i think you can fit like four people in a yeah. tank
1: and the turrets the, the part where they the, pop out of yeah you can look out of yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. at least that's what i believe
0: i think so yeah. um and so eventually they fixed the the track and her tank rejoined the main unit several days later. So they like showed up at night, they killed a bunch of Germans, but then the tank got fucked again. They had to repair and it. Nobody and then they died were, in this. Nobody died. This is the second time the p- tank has been hit and they've repaired it in the middle of battle and no one died.
1: Because you'd think the other side would see this tank obviously destroying them and then... And well,
0: you know what I'm imagining? Have you... Fuck, I can't remember what this movie's called, but that Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf movie that took place during the World War and they drove a tank around. Fury.
1: Oh, yeah. You ever I'd seen ever see, it? I don't watch movies. God, so no, you'd really like it. Oh, huh? okay.
0: Well, the only reason why well, yeah, it's have World war any World war tank World war knowledge at all is because of no this way. movie. No. But basically, the entire movie is around this team that live in, or in a tank in the World War. Oh. And the entire movie is their journey on this tank through war, maneuvering through war. And what I'm imagining, as I saw it in the movie, is that usually when like, many, they have like to... so
1: like in the movie do you remember how many people were inside yeah the there was tank? like
0: four to five of them. and they
1: just become a very close unit and they yeah all, so they there's operate like this mis- there's
0: like three down at the bottom I'm one really, of them's shoving into bullets this. into the thing yeah. that shoots out uh-huh. so there's one that's like the bullet fueler one that's the actual like the tank shooter of the like massive yeah. large tank yeah and then there's two just gun shooters that stick their heads out and shoot, and then there's the one sergeant who's like ordering what to do.
1: And, wow, you know like, I've looked into submarines and how. Oh, like, and a but... driver, obviously. Yeah, 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 obviously, which is. Maria, but right? you know,
0: ninety percent of the people can't see what's happening. Yeah. So you rely on one exactly. person yeah, yeah, yeah. to wow. lead you on where to go. You like end up becoming this like family for yeah. the most part. Yeah. You have to trust each other. Because your lives are in each other's. Yeah, hands. and you half of you can't see shit. And so you have you're gonna you would love this movie. It's okay, so I gotta, fucking good. I, you know,
1: like of all the I've never actually studied the other than like submarines because I read Red October, but uh, uh tanks, like the whole like the fact that the, the working working that sounds so interesting. It's to me. You're gonna send me in another hole. Right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never thought about tanks until I yeah, saw Fury.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I need to see this movie. I remember seeing I it like, pretty early. Blown the previews, away but, yeah. by
0: just tanks and how they worked and just it's, everything I forgot
1: how did you find this lady oh it was one of your books oh one of my books but did the tank thing pull you in well yeah because I'm
0: like I'd already seen Fury and I already loved that movie and was so fascinated by that that like how tanks work and war and like well the other cool thing about tanks is that you can hide in them. <laughs> yeah. So people, like, you can try to play dead, like a possum, and then, like, people will come and be like, oh, did this tank already get hit, and everyone's dead, and then they pop out, and, <laughs> and like, no one knows, you know?
1: <laughs> I could see why you'd be interested in t- <laughs> I can just- see you being a tank driver for <laughs> sure. So, Maria, was she She just solely drove her? Was she firing guns, I don't, too? I or? don't have
0: the full details okay. on, like, exactly what she... Well, I think once she was promoted to sergeant, she was drilling everyone around. Okay. She was telling them, turn, turn here, turn Yeah, shoot, she's shoot. the one directing
1: it at the point. That's yeah, great.
0: but, like, they also mentioned that, like, you know, when she was running these tanks, she was responsible for killing all of these... Um, gun nests, like you know, the people that hide in the no, ground and yeah, no, holes. No, yeah, and those are
1: the those are the people. Like when uh, the the invasion of Normandy, those are the people that were knocking most of the people out. Came on the beach. Yeah, so that's like one number one objective to get them done. Yeah. yeah,
0: so she was lighting those fools up, and like she just was fucking good at it. I don't know how or why. I think it was just like heart, just totally. Just like it's incredible, the power just of... Just wanting to yeah. kill. Like, that was it. Like, I want to kill all of you. A
1: scorned lover. Like love. <laughs> yeah. I love it.
0: I know, right? Okay. This
1: needs a movie. She does need a movie. It's because it involves Russians. Everyone's a little... I know, right? Yeah. I, I'm not but this kinda... is when the Russians were on our side, so it's okay.
0: So, like I said, they fixed the tank, and the tank rejoined the main unit several days later, and they continued on in war. Then two months after that, on January 17th, 1944, Maria fought in another night attack as part of the Leningrad-Novigrad offensive, but the battle would prove to be her last.
1: Oh, no, no.
0: (laughs) The attack took place at the village of Svidi near Vidzbek, and during the battle, she drove her T-34 about the German defenses and she destroyed resistance in trenches and machine gun nests. The tank crew also destroyed a German self-propelled gun. But sadly her tank was hit by a German anti-tank shell and again in the tracks it was immobilized. So Maria immediately got out of the tank as normal to begin to do her repairs and as usual it was in the midst of full-blown
1: right yeah and she had probably everywhere. didn't even phase her at this point
0: point. and so she managed to repair the tank as maria would <laughs> she
1: managed to get it repaired first
0: <laughs> but she was hit in the head by shell fragments and lost consciousness
1: was so her she... team able to continue on or... well so
0: they got her like yeah, she didn't die, that... oh, on the field. She did die okay no they got she just was hit by shell fragments so they were able to get her, bring her back into the tank, and get out of there. So they were all safe. She didn't die on the field, anything like that. But after the battle, she was transported to a Soviet military field hospital hospital near Kiev, where she remained in a coma for two months before finally dying on March 15th. Wow. But the following August, Maria was... Posthumously made a hero of the Soviet Union in recognition of her bravery in the battles around Witzp. B- G- <laughs> and Maria's tank, the fighting girlfriend, outlived her, making it to Berlin in 1945. Is there somewhere
1: you can see it now? I don't know. There's got to be. There's got to be, huh? See it, right. Yeah. I've yeah. always wanted to go to Berlin, by the way.
0: Well, it might be there. So. Side note, Maria was one of 800,000 Soviet women who died defending their country for their men.
1: And how many
0: 800,000?:
1: how many 800,000. 800, yeah, jeez.
0: And a lo- one thing that a lot of like historians like to note about this time period and about these women is that majority of these women were jumping on the front lines. Because they were avenging the deaths of their husbands, brothers, fathers, or just trying to protect their country more so than fighting for Stalin.
1: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's the sad part is they were used for that. But, I mean, and they were used for good in this case, actually. um...
0: And... Another note that historians like to yeah. make is that Maria should be recognized for her strength, her bravery, and her de- determination. She blew, as I mentioned earlier, her entire life savings to drive a tank to the Eastern Front so she could avenge her husband's death, safeguard her country from genocide, and kill a fuck ton of Nazis. All things that led to her advancing feminism. A few years later, well, a few a few years ago, not later. Like uh-huh. this was only like I don't know, six years ago or something. NPR radio featured a special of rejected princesses, and it was like this like cute little cartoon thing that they did, which basically highlighted uh, women that would never typically fall into like Disney princess yeah. category. But should be considered like the rejected princesses. Yeah, She yeah. made that list, and NPR made this drawing. Oh,
1: that, that is so cool! <laughs> what the? I love. Oh, God bless NPR. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't on the NPR chain for a long time. But I got on the. MP- I'm probably 2014 like ish. But yeah. So, What how were really, the? Who were the other ones? The other princesses, by chance? Do you remember? Tons it?
0: of them. Yeah, there was a whole list of
1: it. Is it, what's this like little shooting star thing going across here? Oh, is that a bullet going right across? I see. Oh yeah, at least it's her repairing the tank.
0: Yeah. So wow. the picture shows a cute little like tank with like a, its little nose gun and its eyes and it has maria sitting on top of it with her little army outfit on and she's holding a wrench and there's like a bullet flying past her and it's just like it it's basically supposed to be what it would look like if disney made a movie
1: yeah no because that kind of looks like the car's face yeah Um. (laughs) right that's what i was thinking (laughs) But it's, it's, it's so great to think think of the effect that these 800,000 – I mean, you said 800,000 just died. 800,000 died. But th- how many actually served in the, in the effect that it maybe had on the, and, on Russia really helping us win the war um, and for how long America wouldn't allow f- women in their military. Like, we were really missing out. Like, these, these women obviously were just as capable, as, if not more capable, especially if they're avenging their husband's death. To fight for their country.
0: Yeah. And like to think, you know, the other portion of it, like I get that war happens and it can happen quickly. And especially in this situation, they said it Mm -hmm. was a random, like completely unexpected attack when they were supposed to have this pact, you know. Stalin
1: wasn't expecting it at all. And and that was really Hitler's downfall, like him turning against. Because if he hadn't happened, there's a good chance we might have not won the war if that had not happened.
0: Well, and to think about it, like in that situation, you know, you have to throw people into war immediately which is why probably a lot of male tank drivers were like get in this fucking tank and hit the goddamn front lines and start killing fuckers but when you think about it it was so smart of them to have all of these females on, on the back burner like Training in nursing, training in weapons, learning how to drive how to learn tanks. To drink. Like <laughs> Tank, yeah. they were doing literally, like all of this background research and training, so that they could be thrown out there to fight, but having adequate experience. Better, better
1: trained than the, the males before them. Yeah, no, it's like, and I, this, I never knew anything about this. And but I did know that obviously Russia helped us win World War II. But I almost want to know now how much the effect, how many women actually served, and what the effect was. I mean and like you said, they were most of them were fighting for their deceased husbands, not for their country.
0: Well, not for Stalin. I think yeah, not for the, Stalin. And they just yeah. they didn't want to see all their people get wiped yeah, out, friends yeah. and family, no, neighborhoods, and that's, cities. That's, and like that was the like... whole
1: reason why why Hitler turned is because he he wanted to create genocide. He wanted to create his perp- perfect race, and he yeah. saw. Obviously, especially it's uh, crazy going forever for like, Well, the and I, think she wrote I just never knew letter. this this i've 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 looked at so many angles of World War II but I never knew this, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> is it cool? It's so cool. It's so cool. There was a time I was really into World War II and I kind of got burnt out because I couldn't find anything else. In, but this is a it's whole... It's very good. Like the tanks and the women fighting for the Russians. This is something both I didn't know.
0: So. Yeah, it's more of the sociological side of World War Two. Yeah. It's less about and everyone's and kind of like killing. everyone
1: thinks about Russia's oppressive country, but in this sense they're a little bit more progressive. Right?
0: They were in this situation. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then it's funny about war, like the tragedy of war, but... You wonder if like a lot of the feminist movements even here in America would have started if women had because that was the first well, yeah, opportunity they had like for Rosie to be, the Riveter to be it's independent like or ho- be the fucking, caregivers of the yeah, yeah they had to
0: step up and start working and like becoming nurses and doing all kinds of shit yeah crazy so, so
1: it's like
0: do you have any guess on oh,
1: okay because my my like the signs that I know are Gemini Leo <laughs> uh, Aquarius obviously. Um, And those are, like, the only ones I know. Although I've learned a lot of tarot cards from you now. (laughs) I mean,
0: I feel like I also, Maria's story is not so much about her personal life. Yeah, It's just her vengeance on war.
1: Okay, so I got to think of, like, you know, I'm going to, because I'm going to, I'm trying to think of.
0: I'll give some little keywords, which I don't know if they'll actually resonate with you. Yeah. But given her, like, fierce extreme like reactive personality type based she a on the fire sign. she's a fire okay. sign
1: now i gotta think of what the fire signs are <laughs>
0: well i can i can tell you okay you they're either yeah. aries leo or sagittarius um
1: hmm. i don't think she's a leo because she doesn't seem like the type that wanted to be center of attention right
0: you don't think she was center of attention?
1: Well, I mean, like, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe, but d- yeah, d- I, 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 but I, th- I feel like she, she more would fighting rather fighting
0: girlfriend. Yeah,
1: but she sacrificed herself for other causes in a sense. But okay, so she's a Leo. then. She's a Leo. Wow, we both picked Leos. Uh-huh. And you know what? Like I was actually gonna say when you're describing her, it sounds like kind of sounds like Hela cells. <laughs> Like, you think about, like, it, th- there's a lot of... You know what? We didn't mean to do a themed episode. we <laughs> no, did what we, we, we thought about... I d- could have done the... What was it? What's her name? Jamaica the Crack Queen of L.A. or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wanted to do a villainess video. We were thinking about our episode. We were thinking with was a theme, but... Uh,
0: yeah, that's her. That's Maria for you.
1: Wow. Our our women had a lot in common. I mean, I, kind of. In, like, in a weird sense, they did.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean... That's Somehow gonna, we kept
1: finding connections. Because at
0: first us. I was, like, trying to think, like, ooh, who should I do for Brad? That was
1: such a good one. Like, you really know me so well.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to think, like, I wonder if I can dig up any, like, musical person. I'm like, you already know every musician on earth and their entire life story. <laughs> yeah, I you need can. to do somebody that, like, will interest you but maybe you don't know about.
1: Yeah, and you found one. Yeah, So
0: that's her, and I'll show you That's the little... thing about
1: women is, like, there's, there's so many hidden gems, like Clara Foltz or yeah. – um, God, there's so fucking many. Emily Chatoulet—that's one of my favorites. She was uh, her and Voltaire, which is my favorite. Philosophy. That's actually—I've got to do come back again. There's you so can. many. There is an endless. I think I've already told you but there is an endless supply of women that still need recognition. Hell
0: in yeah, Australia. there are. It
1: that's really why this is. podcast never has an ending. Yeah, that's why I love this. That's why I love this podcast. I really there is do. no ending.
0: It just goes on forever.
1: Forever. forever. What's that from? <laughs> Forever. Is that Sam Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Forever. <laughs> For Forever. I don't even remember what part of that movie it was. You I just don't... remember that part. Yeah, I Forever. Um, I love that
0: movie. Well, that's it. Yeah. We I,
1: did it. We did it. I, I, um, <laughs> women of the Week. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Do you have a Woman of the Week?
1: <sighs> I really tried to think, but it's really only you, Melissa, because... <laughs> You kind of talked me out of that... uh, Not talked me out, but you talked me through my little existential crisis in a sense. I had a couple weeks back. Well,
0: I hope you got through your existential (laughs) crisis. You you
1: helped a lot. It was just because I could help... I could share my insanity with someone else. (laughs) And that's when you realize like someone is a close... When you can just be unfiltered (laughs) and crazy and they still are your friend after.
0: Those are the best friends. Yeah, and the you ones really you are. Be completely but it was kind of
1: nuts with. It's, it, it's kind of your fault though, <laughs> because I mean, it's his podcast's fault. It's podcast's fault. It's because I used to be, I'm, I'm still an atheist, but I, I've obviously, have, I love science and I write a physics blog, um, and I try to look at everything in a completely logical way. And uh, but before this podcast opened up the astrology tarot cards, like all these other things that. I ignored for a long time, or thought were ridiculous, but I kind of understand like, at least the pr- the power of your mind to to, to sometimes the, the uh how am I trying to frame this when
0: manifest things yeah yeah
1: and the universe in a sense the, and it and and this is something I've always believed the the energy that you put out in the universe is what you get back um and but if you you know the the, the especially the like tarot cards it makes you just think about stuff from a new perspective and then you find these 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 hidden things about yourself in in the shadows and then, Well and you know yeah. I think
0: the other cool part about it is that like there is no concrete evidence that There's astrology not, or tarot it's not. is accurate. yeah However the more that you learn about it or think about it, it does allow you to enter realms that typically you, you wouldn't have
1: thought about. Familiar before. with, yeah. comfortable
0: with, which can then introduce you to new experiences yeah. or perspectives yeah. that are could be enlightening or terrifying yeah. or both. Yeah.
1: And but at I... the end
0: of the day, it's like forcing you out of your comfort zone.
1: Exactly. Which
0: I think... It's something humans have to go through yeah. during certain stages of life.
1: It really does. I mean, are you a feminist podcast? I I don't think I of sometimes, us as a sometimes no podcast. I, I, yeah, and sometimes you're a humanist podcast. You're like about because here's the thing is like there's injustices everywhere, and and women are just one of them, and there's many examples, but there's injustices everywhere, and uh, and it's just I think by human nature we we create these things and.
0: I think we could be categorized as a feminist podcast. However, we don't ever typically market it as that. Yeah. We, what we call it is a podcast that celebrates women.
1: Yeah, it really does. That's really it. Yeah.
0: Or not even just celebrates, acknowledges, recognizes. Yeah, Because yeah. we've covered some gnarly ass women on this podcast yeah. before that really, you know, shouldn't be an inspiration to others. However they made an impact on the world in some kind of way. Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't realize those it because,
1: yeah, empowers you. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah.
0: So maybe a female empowerment podcast. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I just love it because it's a, it's accessible to people probably wouldn't typically listen to these types of things. I really am. I hope you all the, the best of luck in the future. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Oh, I love you, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do a hug?
0: Podcast oh. hug!
1: I don't know if they know, but I've been wearing the squid hat. Like, <laughs> I, I was trying to make you know, the, I'm surprised you were able to make it through. <laughs> I guess I didn't shake it enough <laughs> Well, we already got a nice boomerang of the yeah. shake. Can, oh, I, they d- know. It's can I do a CJ Bay.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay. We are wrapping up episode 35. Yes. I'd say it was a big hit.
1: Let's hope, anyways. We'll see.
0: <laughs> but um, thank you for joining us, and we will be back for more podcasting.
1: Well, Melissa will be. I don't know if I. Believe.
0: Whenever I can find another <laughs> guest, <laughs>
1: <laughs> i hopefully I will come back.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're welcome back, Brad. All right, we're gonna be signing off. Bye. 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 <laughs>